Hi, welcome to the Romance Me podcast. This is Erica. And I'm Em, and we'd like to say a special hello to our number one and only fan. Like, how you doing? <laughs> I'm so confused with myself. <laughs> I know they'll love it, which is why it's there. But yeah. That that is why I will put myself through that level of humiliation. And what they say in the 80s, uh, gag me with a spoon. I've been in such an 80s place lately. We just rewatched Labyrinth yesterday. Dance magic dance, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I would sing, but you know how I feel about that. <laughs> yes, and yet I persist in singing myself. I appreciate your enthusiasm. <laughs> I'm glad you do. Today, we'll be discussing Tin by Candace Robinson and Amber Ardul. A decade after Dorothy melted a witch, she must once again travel the much-changed yellow brick road to save her friends and herself. However, Tin is now a stone-hearted assassin with the assignment to bring Dorothy to Lyon for nefarious reasons. As Dorothy and her Tin Man travel the land, will they discover that there is no feeling... Like that of true love. There will be spoilers beyond this point. Well, Erica, how's Dorothy getting along? Crappy. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the real world, Dorothy. It sucks. Yes, uh, Dorothy oh, real fake world. is living in 1920s Kansas. Her aunt and uncle and dog have all died. So it's basically like a country song. <laughs> yeah, she's living it. She's going to lose her farm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thinking of a lot of country songs that are like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, everyone that she knows basically thinks she's crazy because when she returned from Oz the first time, she wouldn't shut up about it and no one believed her. Didn't they put her in a... Either sanitarium or asylum or something. Yeah, in this book, she underwent, like, treatments and things. But I don't know that she was in there for a while or just for treatments. Um, yeah, this book takes place ten years after the first Wizard of Oz book. One of many. For those who do not know, The Wizard of Oz is a series by L. Frank Baum. There are, like, 14 books that he wrote. There are many other books that are written by other authors as well that take place in the same universe. <laughs> uh, some of them are considered canon. Uh, some are not. I've personally always considered just L. Frank Baum's to be canon. Makes sense. Because his are best. <laughs> <laughs> Readers can be choosers. But Dorothy, yeah, the shit's hit the fan. She's going to lose her, her farm. She's managed to get, was it the banker's son or something? Yeah, she, she caught his eye. She made the decision to sleep with him to get him to help her, but he wasn't able to convince his father to give her a break. And although he offers to marry her, Dorothy is like, no. Tempting, but I think I'd rather not. No, I can't love you. So, sorry. And it sounded like he actually did have affection for her. Yeah, I think he did. I think he had the... Or does. That complex of, 
if I just stick around her and I'm really, really nice to her, then maybe, maybe one day she'll deign to consider me. And I mean, this is the 1920s, so I don't know how often women put out, like, unmarried in the middle of Kansas. Well, if they were going to lose their livelihood, probably more than. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just saying it could have been the magic pussy. Yeah, that's true. Magic pussy. Yep. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> But yeah, as Dorothy is contemplating the shithole that is her life, a portal opens up in the middle of her field. Oh, look, an actual shithole. No, a green-edged, <laughs> Aussie-looking portal. Oh, my mistake. <laughs> she goes through it. As one does. And immediately sees Tin, who is this book's version of the Tin Man. Yay? I don't know the okay. level of yay I'm supposed to supply here. I'm going to start. I'm going to start right now. <laughs> oh. I, I was going to try not to start <laughs> until a little while later, but <laughs> I'm going to start right now. Okay. I embraced and prepared. <laughs> Please begin. In the notes, I put Land of Oz, but they are all fairies. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, I was just going to say, that's... To be fair... The Land of Oz is a fairy land, according to the original, you know, series. But in this book, it seems like almost everyone is a fairy or some kind of more traditional immortal being. Like there were nymphs and satyrs and yeah, dwarves and stuff like that. And one of the things about this that really perturbed me is that the original Oz was written to give, like, an American sense of what a fairyland would be. Like, to have our own fairy shit. Yeah. <laughs> and this, basically, to me, it feels like it undoes all of that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, Tin is actually a hot silver fairy. <laughs> You know, the lion and the scarecrow are also hot fairies. You're, I, I'm not disagreeing. You're not wrong. And the munchkins are actually dwarves. And the flying monkeys are actually pixies. And... <laughs> and I don't know, like... I tried to rise above it and I tried to rationalize it. I tried to think to myself, okay, maybe because Dorothy was there when she was a child... She saw things through a child's eyes. And now that she's come back as an adult, she sees more like what the reality is. Yeah, I think that was the intention of the authors, possibly, since they make a point to say that a couple of times, I think, or something along those lines. I remember like a few times like Tin thinking, oh, yeah, Dorothy always called the dwarves munchkins or whatever. But I don't remember he either says it or thinks it at her. You know what I mean? Like looking at Dorothy and then thinking things in his head. Let me see if I can find it while... While I beat this dead horse? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I... I mean, I know it's in here. I don't... I mean, there's what? I 211 pages? So if, so if you so. saw it and I didn't, I'm going to be a little upset. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I will do my best to <laughs> not to upset you. That won't be the goal, but... No, I just... <laughs> <laughs> let, 
Let's let's just go ahead and we'll say it may or may not be in the text that that was the case. Okay. You, um, got that impression, however, <laughs> I did not. That in and of itself is kind of a problem. Like, I would want that to be kind of a memorable thing. And at the very least, it wasn't for me. I mean, there's this passage. I don't know. I know it's in here somewhere, but this is the closest I can find at this particular moment. So this is in a tin chapter. Chapter 7 says, if one night with Dorothy pressed against him wasn't enough to drive him mad, the second was, damn, who'd ever cursed those pixies who forced Tin and Dorothy beneath his cloak? Flying monkeys, Dorothy had called them. No doubt it was another term she learned from Glinda. Okay, okay. No. All right. I will concede one point. (laughs) Okay. Supposedly, Dorothy learned that the Munchkins were Munchkins because of Glinda, and that the Flying Monkeys possibly were Flying Monkeys because of what Glinda called them. So it could be all back on Glinda, but it's not confirmed that it was a child's perception versus an adult's perception or whatever, or that it was Glinda's fault that she saw them that way. I would say it's up to the reader's interpretation. I felt like it wasn't enough. I wanted more reasons why it was so different. Okay, that's fair. And it didn't have to be like super involved, but something more than, well, the authors wanted the characters to be hot. So yeah, I mean, there's that. And I agree with you that they did sort of make it seem more along the lines of what we would consider. I don't even know if it's traditional fairies, but like this modern notion of fairy. Yeah. Or fae. Yeah, it's tricky because even when they talk about like other fairy or fae creatures, it's like the brownies and the and of course that that's from Northern European lore. So again, it's not American, which was Balm's intent. And it's nitpicky, I know, but I am a big original Wizard of Oz canon fan, and they've changed several parts of the canon in this book. I would say this is one of the biggest ones because it pertains to like who all the characters are. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, no. I mean, there's there's another, I mean, there's a bunch of little things that they changed and I was just like, okay, well, whatever. I'm just pretending that they retconned everything back to the first book, which fair enough, but still, maybe I'm too picky because I'm a fan. It's difficult if, if the material has, either the material itself is beloved or is inspired by material that is beloved. It's very difficult to have distance and to not want to I don't know if the right phrasing would be protect it but something along those lines yeah to feel protective toward it or whatever guard it's not originality but guard it's the canon must be protected (laughs) And, and guard the intent and our own experiences of it as kids you know what i mean like i wonder if that's not part of it too because i feel that same way about certain things i mean it it could be where they've they've remade things from my youth that i look at and i'm like what the fuck have you done (laughs) yeah i tend i tend to look at and, and we've talked about this on prior episodes i tend to look at retellings and and things like that with a very forgiving eye even when it's things I really, really love and appreciate, but I do want there to be good reasons for changes. Yes. And I don't know that there are enough reasons for this change or enough explanation. 
But again, that could just be me. No, it makes it makes sense. There should be good reasons. Things shouldn't be changed just for the sake of changing them. They have to be rooted in... The, the thing, too, is that when I... Because I'm the one who picked out this book for us to read. And when I saw the book, I was like, ooh, Wizard of Oz, but they're hot fairies. And I was okay with it, you know? But I kind of was expecting there to be, like, some reason. But to me, it seems like, no, it's just Wizard of Oz, but they're hot fairies. I think the thing is, is that's sort of what I expected. It doesn't upset me or let me down because that's... I went in thinking that that's probably what it's going to be. Yeah, that's fair. At any rate, Tin is a.k.a. the Tin Man. He is a hot fairy. With some tin on his face. He has iron on his face. Yes. So after, after Dorothy left the first time, Tin's heart turned back into a stone heart. So apparently it was stone before. And then the wizard fixed it and now it's stone again. And it's due to some curse from his folks. After his heart turned back to a stone heart, he became an assassin. One day he killed a guy who was sexually molesting or harassing or assaulting a woman. And then he went and like killed everyone there. Like basically massacred everyone. (laughs) And the wizard who still ruled Oz took pity on him by not sentencing him to death. And instead poured molten iron on his face to brand him since he's a fairy iron sucks so he lives with constant agony on his face yeah which i thought kind of must have disfigured him but they kept mentioning the prettiness plus i think he's pretty on the cover but i'm like that doesn't match what's in my head because molten owl on the face well it was just one side Still, so, still. Maybe, maybe on the cover we look at his good side. <laughs> well, probably, but still. And Tin, like, he purposefully shows it off, too. Like, he's got, like, the side of his hair clipped back on that side to show his face to everyone so they can be scared of him. <laughs> at first, he doesn't think Dorothy is actually Dorothy because he forgot that mortals grow up. oops but since dorothy's been living in kansas she's now a young lady and he's like oh okay well that's nice and all but that doesn't change things (laughs) because tin has been hired by lion aka another hot fairy to bring dorothy back and give her to lion so that they can behead her and give her head to languideer who's lion's lover now yeah, that's what's in the the prequel book. I guess it's all about those two. Yeah, I read the prequel book. Oh, okay. Because I wanted some more background, but it was just basically like, Lion wants someone to think he's awesome and goes to Languideer because the wizard doesn't think he's awesome enough. Ah. Uh. Oh, spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> and... He swears allegiance to Languideer, beheads some poor fairy, and they fuck, covered in blood, and yeah, that's great. Okay. The end. I don't feel that bad that I didn't read it. (laughs) Well, I wanted context, because I was like, why the hell is Lion such a dick? Well, you are the queen of context, so it completely (laughs) makes sense. I kind of wondered about that prequel, but... Did not feel compelled. Yeah, it's it's short. 
But still, I read slow. The thing with Lion is that he is apparently in love with, but at the very least loyal to Languadir. Languadir is a lower level witch, so not as powerful as like Glinda per se, who has a penchant for taking other women's heads and wearing them. Yeah. Um, She's able to, her magic allows her to put heads in storage and change them on her body. I guess when she was younger, she was kind of a butterface. Even so. Because when she, when she first started stealing heads, the first thing she did was destroy her original head. Oh. So she didn't like her original head. For reasons, not just because, but I was kind of thinking if her original head looked like Dorothy. Oh, no, no, no. If that would be revealed through the course of the story. Which is one of the reasons why I considered reading the prequel to see if that was a thing. Languadir is a character from the original Oz books, and she does indeed steal women's heads and stuff. And I actually liked how this story portrayed her because she's very, like, just horrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this this book is very bloody. I appreciated that, like the horror elements in this book with the beheading and the blood and the, oh, the wheelers, for example, because the wheelers are creatures from, you know, L. Frank Baum's Oz. But in this book, they're just extra horrific and they were horrific before. Yeah. But this book amped them up, which I did appreciate. They were creepy. Well, they're supposed to be, but yeah. Tin tells Dorothy that, oh, I'm I'm to bring you back to Lion because he needs your help. And Dorothy just believes him. Dorothy's like, well, where's Crow? A.K.A. Scarecrow. A.K.A. The third hot fairy. Tin's like, I don't know. Maybe his brain sucks again. And Tin's like, we need to go see Lion, but let's stay here for the night and we'll start off in the morning. And Dorothy's like, well, if we if Lion needs my help then we should go right now. And Tin is like, no. And so he brings her into this tavern that's like really crummy and locks her in the room and has the key in his pocket. Basically forces her to lay on the bed with him because originally she wasn't, but she's tried to steal the key so she could leave. And he grabbed her and like forced her to lay down on the bed with him all night. Okay, so what do you think of of Tin at this point? Because he... Seems pretty intent on taking Dorothy to go get decapitated so he can make money because he doesn't have a heart. All he wants is money at this point, right? I mean, that's that's his motivator. He doesn't care about Dorothy. Nope. He doesn't care about Lion. Nope. He doesn't care about Oz. He doesn't care about anything except money. Yep. I don't know why he cares about money. <laughs> yeah. But he does. Well, it is shiny because it's gold. So, pretty? He's not a very well-rounded character. I mean, it would make sense, like, if he had to achieve a certain amount to get the curse taken care of, or to make his faceless ouchy, or something. But yeah, there doesn't seem to be... But he doesn't. No, yeah. I'm not bothered by his killingness. That, you know, his love language is murder. That doesn't bother me. Yeah. What irritates me is the... The assumption in the book that, oh, without a heart, you also have no moral or ethics. Now, he does have he does have a certain level because after he massacred that entire village or whatever, 
he decided that he would only kill people for money. Yeah, that's not enough. (laughs) Especially since the money isn't going to anything. It's arbitrary. He might as well just get paid in pie or checkerboard pieces or something if it doesn't mean anything. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're not wrong. Why can't he get paid in feathers? They'd be light, easy to carry. Unless it's going towards something, it doesn't matter. Yeah, no, you're you're right. And it's it is frustrating because he's not a well-rounded character. It's like, okay, well now his heart no longer works and now he's an asshole. Which which begs the question, was he an asshole when Dorothy was first there? Yes. That's what I would think. He would be some level of asshole. May not be as assholey. And if so, why did Dorothy like him and remember him fondly? To be fair, she thought the flying monkey, she didn't appreciate that the flying monkeys were pixies. You know, so would she be a reliable narrator? <laughs> and we also know she forgives a lot. So even if he did treat her poorly or treated others poorly, because being an asshole, that's sort of the criteria. She'd be forgiving or make an excuse. Yeah, there. I have I have so many questions. Like, what happened on her first trip? <laughs> like, with them all being fairies and with him being such an asshole with a with no heart. Yeah, and other things that we know about her lineage later. Maybe he could keep it in check because of who was with her. Maybe. Ugh. I could see, like, him being a grumpy guy. I could see... Because, I mean, he doesn't have the ouchie on the face at that point, does he? No, this happened after. He could still be slightly grumpy, but not... He could be on the asshole spectrum, but not to the degree that he's an asshole now. The whole thing, though, the whole point is that they already had those things. Like, he already had a heart. He just didn't accept that he had a heart. You know, until the wizard gave him one. I know, I'm trying to make it work. I didn't write the book. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to reconcile these things. And I am not the creator of this world, so I don't know. The next day, they're traveling down the yellow brick road, as one does. Tra-la-la. They're taking, like, nuts and things off the trees because Dorothy is not supposed to eat the fairy fruit because the fairy fruit has a bad effect on mortals. And it turns out one of the reasons Oz sucks so bad right now is that the wizard has become a fairy fruit addict and it's addled his brain. And then as Dorothy's like basically trying to tell Tin, well, you are obviously not listening to me and I'm going to go ahead and do this journey my own way. She gets accosted by a fairy fruit addled person who... Is kind of like a zombie. Yeah, something like that. Tim rescues her. And I think he chops off his head, maybe. But at any rate, Tim rescues Dorothy. And then he tells her that he's an assassin. And like the only reason he rescued her this time is because he's going to get paid by Lion to deliver her to him alive. But Dorothy is going to have to start paying him for the other people he has to kill to save her if she's going to keep being dumb. (laughs) And then Dorothy's like, well, what about Crow? Where is Crow? She wants to separate and go look for Crow. Like she thinks, well, maybe if 
if Tin's heart is all messed up again, then maybe Crow is messed up again too. Maybe, you know, he needs help too. But as they're arguing, night falls and they are, I don't know that they're, they're not necessarily attacked, but they're beset by the flying monkeys, aka the pixies. And Tin has this convenient magic cloak that he covers them with. Like, he covers himself and Dorothy with it. And that makes them undetectable. Yes. Be covered in the magic of convenience. Yes, but in order... (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) In order for them to be sufficiently... I'm extra snarky when I'm awake. Are you done? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, ma'am. In order for them to be sufficiently covered, Dorothy has to wrap her legs around his waist and they have to, like, be really, really snuggly and close. This makes Tin feel kind of hot and bothered. He doesn't do anything about it. And they end up sleeping that night like that, under the cloak, on the ground, all snuggled up with each other. The next day, they argue again. Tin is starting to, like, wonder about Dorothy. He's like, gosh, she doesn't seem afraid of me. She's so compassionate toward me, even though I'm a monster and my face is ugly. And maybe I should just, you know, conveniently not make the deadline Lion has. And then I have no reason to bring Dorothy to him because I won't be getting paid. And I can just keep her for myself. She has no agency. It's fine. I mean, this is all in Tin's head. So Dorothy has no idea what's going on as far as this goes. Dorothy is like, what is wrong with you? Am I just a job to you? Like, what? So I think she's feeling a little disillusioned. And then that night, they come across a town. And originally, Dorothy wanted to go to the town and Tin wanted to go around the town. But because Tin is feeling the feels a little, he agrees they can spend the night in the town. And so they get an inn. With one bed. It's always one bed, man. I usually like the one bed trope. And at this point in the story, I kind of feel like I should have been like, yeah, one bed. But I really wasn't. I was like, ugh, creepy tin. Yeah, he... Yeah. (laughs) I don't have anything better to add. I'm sorry. So she's asleep. Tin is feeling all horny. And he's thinking, well, maybe I'll go across the street to the brothel. And find someone who looks like Dorothy and oh my God. get this out of my system. Remind me of the Buffy bot. <laughs> Ew. I know. <laughs> I feel gross. But while Tim's at the brothel, he overhears someone asking for Dorothy and Tin, like describing them. And has anyone seen these people and all that? And Tin starts getting worried. Oh, no. And I left Dorothy alone to go fuck some stranger. What's wrong with me? Oh no, my shinies are in danger. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) He runs back. He makes it back to the inn. Dorothy's still asleep. And at this point, Tin's heart starts beating again. Yeah, doesn't it start beating when she's not even there? Maybe I'm remembering this wrong. No, no. Okay, here's, here's this. Here's the quote. Okay. The the door to his inn room was suddenly in front of him, the key in his fingertips. He fumbled to fit it in the lock with shaking hands. On the third attempt, it slid in, and Tin shoved his way inside to find Dorothy exactly where he'd left her. Breath filled his tight-burning lungs. 
Every muscle relaxed at once, and he leaned against the door, sliding to the floor. It wasn't until he wiped the sweat from his forehead that he realized he was worried, not because he wanted Lion's money, but because he wasn't ready to not see her again, whatever that meant. If the bed had been empty, he wasn't sure what his reaction would have been. And so then he, like, scopes her out, wants to touch her, it is all creepy about it. And then it says, Tin gripped the fabric over his chest. Something behind his breastbone cracked, shattered, exploded, and a painful pounding suddenly assaulted him from the inside out. He gasped, his wide gaze locking onto Dorothy's sleeping form, the raging pulse in his ears, the heavy thump, thump, thump beneath his ribs, his heart. It was back. Fuck. Heartbeats back. Anyway. But then he he's like worn out from this whole ordeal and snuggles up with her and like passes the fuck out. I'm fucking worn out from this ordeal. She wakes up and since he's so tired, she's able to steal the key this time and she leaves and locks him into the room as she leaves. <laughs> Which I appreciated since he's been locking her in. I know. Yeah. Fire hazard, y'all. When Dorothy leaves, she goes to the brothel and one of the women who works there uh, recognizes her as the hero who killed the Wicked Witch of the West and saved Oz and everything and feels very kindly toward her and tells her, oh, Crow is looking for you. And so Dorothy goes out to find Crow. When Tin wakes up, he finds Dorothy is gone. And now he's also out to find Crow because he's worried Dorothy will find Crow first. And then Crow will get to tell the story Crow will tell without Tin being able to spin it, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's kind of his deal, right? (laughs) That's totally his deal. Tin finds Crow first and they both start looking for Dorothy. At this point, Tin finds out that Crow is Dorothy's father. Dun, dun, dun. What did you think about that reveal? I hate it. (laughs) Yeah, I wasn't too thrilled about it either. I just, I hate it. (laughs) I just do. On a cellular level? Yeah, I mean, on one hand, I can see why the the authors wanted to make Dorothy a fairy. Because then she'd have the magic and everything. The thing is, is they made her a changeling. And doesn't, I mean, I guess they're adjusting the lore, but... Isn't it like a good, healthy baby is replaced with a creature? Yeah, Aren't changelings supposed to be creatures? Yeah, they're supposed to be, like, scary. See, this is still why I think it would have been appropriate for Languideer, whatever the heck her name is, to have Dorothy face. Because <laughs> that's, that's what I was thinking, was... She was the one that was supposed to be in this world, and then they sent Dorothy to change her out. Oh, so Languideer would be the other Dorothy? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Did not happen. No, Languideer has the other Dorothy's head, though. (laughs) I know, but you know what I mean? Like, that's what I was thinking, because if she's a change, No, that's a good, that would have been a good twist. (laughs) Yeah, the crow thing, like, came out of nowhere. I was like, what? Yeah, crow's like, you're not good enough for my daughter. (laughs) Well, of course he isn't, but... And then Tin's like, okay, fine, she's half fae. And Crow's like, no, she's full fae. And then Tin gives Crow crap for when he's attentive to Dorothy. I'm like, he literally missed her entire existence and only spent a little bit of time with his daughter. So yeah, he's going to treat her a little bit like a kid. 
Yeah, a little bit. But over time, that will wear off because he will then appreciate, hopefully, that she is not a child. But it's okay that he does that a little bit now. Yeah, because for Crow, it's a reunion. Yeah, which Dorothy doesn't know. Like, we learn of her heritage before Dorothy does. Right. Oh, Tin is just annoying. Crow is annoying. (laughs) I guess because Crow wasn't the love interest, he didn't annoy me as much. I feel like minimal effort has been given to either of those characters to flesh them out. That's fair. Or any of the characters, really. There seems to be a lot of reliance on the original text to provide, like, context and backstory and stuff. But then there's just enough things changed that it doesn't quite work. Yeah. And I think it would have been better if the authors had changed more things or offered more context or developed the characters more (laughs) because I don't like I don't like anybody at this point in the story like I'm not rooting for anyone I must admit I don't I don't think I was either actually like the only thing I appreciated was that Dorothy was like no I'm gonna go do my own thing and if you don't let me I'm gonna run off and do it on my own yeah, she seemed pretty self-reliant, although it gets weird because he's just like, it's so dangerous, you'll need to have me there. Because that's often done in, like, romance stories. Like, she needs the protector, ergo, he has to be there. But she doesn't. That's something about the story that I appreciated. Yes. That she saved her own ass. She did. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yes, I think we are. <laughs> Oops. So while Tan and Crow are having their fun reunion... Dorothy starts heading south to find Glinda and Crow. Like, she's thinking, well, maybe Crow went to Glinda. Maybe Glinda could help me find Crow. She finds a village where everyone's, like, hiding, and there's, like, a bunch of death and stuff, and she finds these two young females with big scars on their faces, and they're like, oh, you should des- you should destroy your beauty so that she won't take you. Beware of Languideer. So that's the point where Dorothy kind of learns about Languideer. But while she's there, she runs into Lion, who, just in case you forgot, (laughs) is a hot fairy, not a lion. Lion acts like, I guess, sort of like his old self. I don't know. He doesn't try very hard. No, he is creepy AF, though. It's one of those, oh, don't worry, the hero is actually better than the other guy. Because the other guy's worse. At least the hero's not going to chop off your head and give it to his lover. So this was weird enough that I felt like I actually had to make a note of it. (laughs) Which, considering how few notes I take, that's probably saying something. So it's weird to me that Tin thinks about Dorothy possibly losing her head in, like, a weird way. So this is a quote from Tin's point of view. It says, (laughs) Lion's lover, Languideer, would... Wear Dorothy's head well, just as she wore dozens already in her possession. <laughs> like, what? Like, she'd rock the look? Is that what you're saying? Like, <laughs> like is he into it? Like, is that why? Like, it's not just the money. Like, he's into it. Her wearing Dorothy's head? I don't get it. <laughs> I don't know. There's this weird whole sexual element with Languideer and the heads anyway. Well, yeah, because Lion's going to fuck her with Dorsey's head on. Yeah, and Tin is like upset about that. It, it 
that, none of that makes sense. <laughs> like, he seems, like, upset that Lion will fuck Linguadir with Dorothy's head on, not that... Yeah, that Dorothy will get decapitated to make that possible. <laughs> that was repeatedly mentioned, I think, in the first couple of chapters was, like, how upsetting... I'm like, I, I think you're missing the point. <laughs> I think the train has whizzed by and you did not get on board. We care, well, in theory, we care about Dorothy's actual life. <laughs> it's a problem for us if she doesn't have a head. Not because of what's going to be done with the head, but because <laughs> the separation of the two is a problem for Dorothy. At that point, it won't bother Dorothy. True. <laughs> Although sometimes with magic involved, you never know. But yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And because it wasn't just the one time. So that was in chapter five, that quote that I took. So then in chapter seven, I didn't take an actual quote, but as I guess they're like making out or whatever, it says thoughts of Dorothy, of Dorothy's head getting used by Languidere, even with Lion making out with it slash her. Then Tin gets lovey with Dorothy, rubbing his nose on her neck. <laughs> He's into it. Yeah, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Well, he is a bloodthirsty little thing. Still. <laughs> still. <laughs> it's not the bloodthirstiness. <laughs> and there may have been more, but I didn't write any more down at that point. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Therapy. Therapy for every fictional character. They would benefit. I just wanted to bring that up because WTF. Okay, so Dorothy and Lion are traveling supposedly to go to Glinda, I think. But very quickly, Lion tricks her into eating a uh, fairy fruit that has a numbing agent in it and it makes her numb. Yeah, I don't think you had to work that hard, but yeah. Which is just very creepy because she's awake, but she can't move or anything. Oh yeah, no, it's terrifying. It's like sleep paralysis. It's terrifying. And then he gives her the whole villain monologue and like closes her eyes for her. <sighs> we find out that Lion is Languidere's lover and is helping her collect heads for her collection and Languidere wants Dorothy's head and so he's going to give her to his lady love. Try a bouquet of flowers. As he's telling her, like as he's monologuing, Dorothy starts wondering like why am I not affected by the fairy fruit the way I'm supposed to be? because I'm human, right? And then she starts feeling like this silver magic that reminds her of the silver shoes that she used to have. And she's able to tap into this silver power and kind of... I got the impression it was like an explosion, but kind of like throws Lion away from her and she's able to escape that way. And then she finds Tin and Crow and learns that Crow is her dad. And then Tin tells Dorothy, oh, hey, by the way, my heart is back. <laughs> Here, feel it. See? It is your heart now. And Dorothy's like, yeah, no. Lion told me that you were going to give my head to Languideer. <laughs> and then he told me that he was going to give my head to Languideer. And I just don't know what to think anymore. <laughs> and then Tin is like, well, here, let me tell you my real name. And then you'll trust me because you'll be able to control me. Because they have the whole thing in this story where if you know someone's true name, then you have power over them. Dorothy doesn't want his true name, but he gives it to her anyway. I will force my love upon you. You must know my name anyway. <laughs> yeah, I think this is along those same veins of like, oh, well, now that I want to fuck you, you matter. 
Uh, let me find his name here. <laughs> is it Beetlejuice? I know it's not, but I can't remember what it is. Maybe Voldemort? Oh, oh. Oh, I almost forgot. So when she did the explodey thing, mm-hmm. she also turned into an elf, sort of. Like, her ears got pointed and all that. So, like, her body changed. She reverted to her true form. Yes. Like Voltron or something. Where the hell is the name? We can just christen him something. <laughs> butthead? Oh, oh, here it is. Here it is. Tarragontin Eud Greenbrier? I don't know if I pronounced that right. Yeah, I don't know. There wasn't an audiobook version. So, I can't help you. Your version is the version. I'm just going to call him Green Teeth because I'm never going to remember all that. Green Briar. Okay, Green Briar. <laughs> I can deal with that. Tarragonton. And then his middle name is A-O-D-H. No, I'm not touching that. We can all control him now. <laughs> I'm not going to say that I don't have ideas. At some point, they're beset by wheelers. They're hiding out in a house or a castle or something. I don't even know where they're hiding out. They're hiding out. The wheelers have killed, like, all the people in the town. And so Dorothy feels like she needs to bury everybody instead of, you know, continuing on to Glinda. And so Crow and Tin, like, dig a mass grave and start burying people for her. (laughs) Dorothy finds out that her mom was the Wicked Witch of the West whose name was Reva. Hello, guilt, my old friend. And so, of course, she's justifiably upset that she murdered her own mother. And then Crow goes off to, like, give Tin and Dorothy alone time. Why? I don't know. But Tin and Dorothy have all the sex. It's wonderful. But then the next day, they wake up and realize that Crow hasn't come home. So now they have to go find Crow. And at first, Tin is like, oh, well, maybe we scared him off with all our sex noise. It's just ew. There's more wheelers. They go to attack and steal Dorothy away. Tin gives her a chance to run away and is captured by the wheelers and thrown into like a pit with Crow, who apparently shifted into his bird form, even though he shouldn't have and is now injured. Dorothy does escape. And she makes it to Glinda's palace, but it just doesn't seem quite right. Like, it doesn't smell the same, and it's very quiet. Aren't there no guards and stuff? Yeah, there's, like, no one there. She finds Glinda, and at first she thinks she's dead, but then she sits up and starts talking to her. But then she realizes that it's not Glinda, it's Languideer. Dun, dun, dun. Wearing Glinda's head. And we all know how much Slyon likes that. Ooh la la. Yet Languideer reveals that one of the things wearing the heads does for her is she gets the powers of whoever's head it is. (laughs) The powers go to her head. (laughs) (laughs) And the reason she wants Dorothy's head is because that will cement her rule in the West. She wants to take over the West. And since Dorothy is the heir. I forget if we knew that before that moment. Oh, well, we knew that she's the daughter of the Wicked Witch of the West, who's the ruler of the West. Oh, that's true. But that's why Languideer wants her head. Right. Yeah. Um, Dorothy has a machete. Where did she get the machete? From the village, but yeah. Yay, she has a weapon. Okay, well, apparently Dorothy has a machete. (laughs) As all well-bred girls should. 
Languideer's monologuing. This is before, right before Dorothy figures out who she is. She says, Did you know you were a changeling this whole time? Glinda whispered and pulled back with a giggle. No, I just found out. Dorothy noticed the expression on Glinda's face was no longer happy and giddy, but smug. She took a deep swallow and shifted backward. You're in luck, because you can meet the human you were swapped with. She's right behind me. Glinda smiled wickedly and stepped to the side. Before Dorothy, within the glass cabinet, rested a female's head. It was a human girl with brown hair the color of Dorothy's. She looked exactly like Dorothy had in her human form, except for the slightly smaller nose and thinner lips. You are much, much prettier as a fae, and will be able to replace the real Dorothy perfectly. Dorothy couldn't speak, couldn't breathe, couldn't do anything but stare in horror at this monster. You're not Glinda, she whispered. Why, young goose, I have her same dress, her same words, and even her same head. I am very much Glinda. <laughs> uh, Dorothy lunges forward with the machete, but then she gets stuck with a sharp pain in her chest. Yeah, so Languideer uses zappy magic to incapacitate her. Zap, zap. Starts monologuing. Do, 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 do. Uh, and then leaves Dorothy alone. Okay, well, you can be here until Lion gets here and he can take off your head for me. Yay, that's going to be so fun. And we go back to Tin and Crow and they run into Lion. Lion and Tin fight and Tin beheads him. As one does. As one does. How does it feel? So Dorothy is sitting in a room with Languideer. Languideer has a wheeler, the head wheeler, come and report to her somehow, even though her mouth is sewed shut with ribbons. Languideer reveals, you know, she's getting tired of waiting for Lion to come back and I'm going to cut your head off now. It's going to be so great, wonderful. And then Dorothy starts freaking out, but she gets like the silver magic feeling again. And she learns her true name. Like there's a whisper in her ear telling her her true name, which is Thelia Tunoctorola. Sure. Or Thelia? Thelia? I'm going to go with Thelia. Okay. And then Dorothy uses her magic and explodes everything. Languideer dies because Dorothy stabs her with a machete. And then two women appear, um, Riva and Ozma. So her mom shows up. And so does Ozma, who is the true ruler of Oz. And they were both kept in like this other dimension... And Dorothy saved them. Everyone gets reunited. And it feels so good. Tin confesses that he killed Lion and he's sad because he's worried Dorothy will hate him for it. But Dorothy's like, no, good. I'm glad you killed the asshole. I have zero problem with any of your murders. <laughs> and then she tells him her true name. There's an epilogue that kind of hints it the next book, which is going to be Crow and Riva's story. The end. Yeah, so as of this recording, there's no audiobook version. So I can't ask you about that. Nope. I, I really struggled with this book. I think yeah. that I was kind of worried that you would because I know how much you love the original or not the original, but you know what I mean? The source material. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I wanted to like it, and I've been thinking about whether or not I should read the next book, but I just don't know. I There's like four books so far. Yeah, I'm kind of in an I don't know place because I know the the latest book in the series, which I think comes out in November, that one 
has a pirate, so. <laughs> but I don't. I think. I think what will probably happen is the series will go on my list, and we'll just see if I can't do it because there's lots of books on my list. Yeah. So I think. I think like my biggest issue with the with the book is that it seemed to rely so much on the source material. Yeah. That we didn't get very much in the way of characterization at all. I agree. But just enough things were changed that it left me questioning, well, was this like the source material or was there something different that we should know? Yeah, there were things like that that I was wondering because <laughs> it's been an age since I read the Oz series and I don't think, I don't think I ever finished it. Which now makes me want to go reread it. Yeah, I think the thing is, is like, I don't, I don't mind changing the, like, deviating from the source material if there are good reasons or if... Well, you'd have to to make it your own. Yeah, or if there's more stuff or different stuff or new stuff or whatever, but it didn't feel like that to me. To me. It didn't feel like a whole story to me. And maybe... Like, I, I try, I'm trying to, like, say, well, maybe I'm just too picky because I'm such a fan of the source material. But at the same time, I'm typically not that way with books. So I think it is a flaw with the writing. Like, I feel like there, there's something missing. Yeah, I think, I think you're correct in that there's a discrepancy between whether or not we were supposed to use the source material as Dorothy's first trip to Oz. Right. Or... If, you know, there there is a version that is not that, that is supposed to be her first trip, which we didn't get access to. Right. So, yeah, it leaves, it leaves questions unanswered, which maybe, it's one of those things, like, maybe if this was a series that I felt was dealing more with, with Dorothy and Ten that we'd get those answers, but the next book is a different couple. Although, given it's Reva and Crow... Maybe we get those answers. I don't know. Maybe because Crow was part of that first journey. Yeah. So that may fill in those gaps. I kind of doubt it, though. <laughs> yeah, I do, too. But, I mean, if if that were to happen, that would be the book to do it. Because in all fairness, Dorothy was really young. Although there should have been enough room in there to have maybe not flashbacks because those get tricky. But... Where, where the past can be hinted to so the reader has a better sense yeah. of what it is, but not necessarily take the entire story back there because there's problems with doing that a lot of times because it just, then it yanks the reader out of the, the present and then throws them back. Yeah, and, it has to be done right. Yeah, it, they're, they're like prologues. When done well, yay. <laughs> but they're often not done well, yeah. so don't. <laughs> When in doubt, leave it out. <laughs> <laughs> so, M. Yes. Are you happy for their happy? Ooh, let's see what I wrote because I can't remember. Because <laughs> I don't look back over my notes after I'm done with them until we record. So it's always a bit of a surprise to me. I said, I'm happy that a bunch of fictional innocents didn't get needlessly murdered. So the Ozland elite can make money and feel powerfully pretty. I was snarky. <laughs> That's my feeling. I'm feeling snarky. I don't know if it's happy. Okay. 
I mean, a lot of them did get needlessly murdered, so. Yeah, I think that's the thing. Is like, oh, he murdered people, but he did it for money, so it's fine? I don't know. I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about that. That's the past. It's like, (laughs) oh, all those lives didn't matter. Because they were before Dorothy, so it doesn't count. (laughs) But it's okay, because his heart is stone. Yeah, I don't get that. I guess I don't understand, because you can feel nothing about someone, but not want them murdered. It just, it reminds me of that joke that, are you familiar with Penn and Teller? Yes. He makes this joke about, because I believe, if memory serves, like, he's an atheist and so does not believe in a soul. So, like, oh, if you don't believe in a soul and you don't have a soul, then why aren't you murdering people? And he's just like, um, what? Like, I don't want to murder people. I've murdered exactly as many as I want to, which is zero. Exactly. (laughs) So it's it's that kind That's sort of how I think of this. And I'm like, I don't understand what him not having a heart means. Oh, well, then, of course, he's going to kill people. Well, he's a fairy. We don't think like them. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go with that. So on that note, are you happy for the fairies happy? No, I'm not. I'm disappointed. (laughs) Mm. I know, and I hate that for you. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. I, and I hate that for you, because I know, again, how much <laughs> you love that. I was like, oh, no. I really hope that she manages to like this, but I didn't think you would. <laughs> you know, you always talk about how you can't connect to certain couples, and I think that was a big issue for me. I just didn't feel like I knew either of them and didn't care about either of them. And why does it matter if they're happy or not? Which is fair. And not only that, they didn't really earn it. Like, I don't believe they're happy. No, I don't believe they are at all. I don't believe their relationship. Like, it it doesn't feel realistic to me at all. Like, it doesn't feel, like, natural. Yeah, there's no point in, especially in the beginning parts of the book. I mean, that's where... Basically, if you're going to root for them or invest in them, that's when it happens. And at that point, he was hell-bent on getting her decapitated, and she was just confused. So there wasn't really much to invest in for me. So I can understand. Yeah. But then again, I mean, I invest less frequently than you do. So. Are you ready to rate them? Sure. How would you rate Dorothy? This isn't so much a rating as it is a comment about her. Maybe you can help me establish a rating. I know that sounds ominous. Are you trying to weasel out of it? No, I I, I don't. It's just, I think if she's closest to anything of awesome, awkward, or awful, I think she's closest to awesome. I don't think she uh-huh. is awesome. What I put as a comment on it, which is, she handles her shit, so I'll give her that. You know, she rescues yeah. herself. She She does all of that. But then there's things that are just unresolved like oh i care about people Eh, you murdered a bunch of people it's fine yeah there's that huge discrepancy because when they see all the people the wheelers killed she wants to bury them she wants to give them proper burial and respect but she doesn't care that tin killed people (laughs) yeah for for shinies no, for anger. Like, the first people he killed were just because he was pissed off. Oh, that's that's true. Oh, my gosh, that is true. <laughs> it's just, it's things that I just, I don't get. It it makes me not think of her as awesome, but I don't put her in the, the awkward or awful category. So, she's, like, peripherally 
maybe awesome. I don't know. What about you? How did you rate Dorothy? Well, I I actually agree with you. I but I put her as potentially awesome. Okay. Because she has a lot of characteristics that could make her awesome. Yeah. She rescues herself, which is awesome. Yay. We like that. You know, she wants to make her own way and even goes out of her way to do it. You know, sneaking away from the man trying to keep her down type of thing. Mm -hmm. And she does so successfully, which was good. Yeah, I, I liked a lot of those things, but they're... The issue I had with her character is that I did not connect to her at all. Yeah. And at the very beginning of the book, I started to feel that connection. You know, I felt crappy for her. She's in a really crappy situation. Yeah. Yeah. She's in the 1920s. She's a woman alone. She has nobody. Everybody thinks she's nuts and doesn't trust her and doesn't like her. And the only person who's willing to rescue her is nice, but not like someone she sees herself being happy with. And she's in a really, she's in a really bad spot. Yeah, he's, he's nice at a price. Yeah. And I, I was feeling for her. But then she gets to Oz. And it's like she reverts back to, well, why is everything different? And why is everything the way it was? And I'm gonna automatically trust you guys, because we went on an adventure 10 years ago. And you know, I'm not crazy because I'm here. Yeah, I, I think I don't think I put I don't think I realized that the earlier part of the book when Dorothy is in, in 1920s Kansas, I felt way more for her as much as I was going to probably yeah. in that moment than when she gets to Oz. And then I was kind of like upset about her turning into a fae or being fae or whatever. Yeah, I didn't. It just seemed very convenient. I don't know if I was upset about it. I wasn't all that surprised. I guess I, I know I was confused because the changeling thing. I'm like, but doesn't that mean? Nope, it means she's pretty and immortal. Okay. I guess the thing with her and the Fae thing, again, it, it didn't bother me because I, I had my own things that I wanted to happen in the story and her being Fae would have enabled those. So that, that didn't throw me. It sort of felt a little bit more like, I don't know if you ever watched this show, but Heroes. Yeah. But then it was just like, I appreciated in the beginning when there were some heroes and some people that were gifted or whatever it was that they were called but then there were still people that weren't and then of course as the show progressed it was everybody's magical (laughs) you're just going okay it lost something by doing that i think that what this story lost by doing that is the humanity in the story yeah because now no one no one in the story is a human no one in the story cares about life because they all live forever. Yeah. I mean, even like that point when we find out Glinda has been murdered. Is she such a non-character in this? It's it's like a shock to Dorothy, but they get over it. Like, whatever. <laughs> I guess one way to think of it is she cared more about the townspeople because she related more to the townspeople. So maybe it mattered more to her that they got buried than than Glinda got even avenged or anything. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm not being fair to her because, I mean, she was, like, caught up in the moment and adrenaline and all this stuff. And she did murder, like, Wadir with a machete, so... There's that. You know. (laughs) (laughs) But, I don't know. What about our hero? How do you rate Tin? I don't know. For me, he was kind of, like, borderline awkward and awful. I think he was underdeveloped. The only time he really had a motivation was, like, he wanted to get paid, but for what reason, 
it doesn't seem to matter. Other than shinies, in which case he could be paid in plastic coins and it wouldn't have mattered because those can be shiny. Yeah, and then, like, yeah, he wanted to get laid and then he actually wanted something. But it was, it was, I think what irritated me so much is he was so hell-bent for a good chunk of the beginning of the book especially until he got his heart back of like, no, no, he was still sort of kind of going to follow through with bringing her to Lion. You know, even when he was like, well, maybe we won't. There were still some parts of him that seemed to lack that conviction. Yeah, like he was trying to convince himself. Yeah, I did not feel chemistry between them, although that's not necessarily just on the hero. And then kind of awful because it's just, uh, which... Again, maybe maybe I was reading it wrong, but that whole thing of like, oh, Languidere with Dorothy's head, like, won't that be interesting? Buddy. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't root for a hero that wants to see the heroine decapitated. <laughs> for like, like reasons that are creepy and gross. Like, you know, it's not like you murdered my father. I want to see you decapitated. Oh, wait, no, I have feelings for you. Please don't die. It's nothing like that. It is her without a head. Now there's something to look at. You know, it's it's more like that. <laughs> and maybe it wasn't just once. There was twice in that. And then I stopped paying attention. So it may have been more. Like, I think I checked out pretty early on in the story. Especially with those. I was just <laughs> it's like, I am sorry. Like, I don't know if it's her body without a head that isn't, or the fact that her head would be on Languidere's body. Maybe her body is attractive, but, you know, it just reminds me of those guys that will sit there and, like, rate parts of women. Yeah. Where it's just like, yeah, ew. And I just can't. Sorry. My opinion of him was already formed. But then the A-side, B-side whiplash. It's like, no, wait, I love you. I will force my love at you. You will feel my love feels like you're suggesting I should feel your wrath, not your love. Feel free to fuck the hell off. Anyway, I think I've rambled successfully for a while on that. What about you and our hero? Hero to zero or zero to hero, depending on how we're thinking of him. I rate him awkward. I think I think he was an ill-formed character. Yes. I don't feel anything for him. I can appreciate, like, a darker hero. Like, oh, he'll kill anyone except her. She tames the raging beast inside him. But then again, he's got to have a reason to murder. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And he doesn't, really, at all. No. Not only that, you're right. He he changes his mind so quickly. His dick changes his mind. But yes. I mean, his heart. His... his his stone heart, not his stone anything else. Sorry. Yeah, it just, it seems so bizarre the way that he, like, the way his heart came back. Because he's, like, one second he's feeling, like, these lustful thoughts and, like, covetous thoughts, you know? Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, I still want my payday. I'm going to go over to the brothel and and take the take my, take my a load off over there, you know? Mm-hmm. But then, but then he's worried. Oh no, she's she might be in trouble because someone else is looking for her. But he's not. He's not thinking. Oh no, my payday. He's thinking. Oh no, she might be in trouble. 
Which, okay, good. Yay. Aside from the fact that we've had zero clue up until now that he cares about her. Yeah, I was looking. I was looking because you know they're supposed to be the couple. And yeah, there really wasn't anything. And then when he does see her and see that she's safe and his heart turns back into a beating heart and everything. And I mean, it's a powerful, I think what is meant to be a powerful scene. And and I'm just thinking, but why though? Like how? Yeah. Because we got some of her, her being compassionate toward him, being forgiving toward him, you know, showing him that, you know, he's not this horrible monster that he proclaims to be, but he is the horrible monster. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that makes him switch from being a horrible monster to being a compassionate being. It makes me feel like, okay, so if Dorothy left again, would his heart turn back to stone and he'd start murdering people again? Like, But that's why she has to stay <laughs> with him so she can save him. It's just, ew. I didn't like it. She's what gives him his humanity because he's a monster. Well, okay. That's the other thing, though. Okay, she gives him humanity, but then she loses her own humanity. Literally. Yeah. Yeah, she does. You're right. That's something that really gets to me, too. Like, so often we'll have stories, and not necessarily this book, but but just in general, stories where where a lot of characters feel like almost caricature-ish, and then you'll have one character that's like, okay, and this is the character that grounds them. And if you don't have that grounding character anymore, then it's just like a bunch of insane people being insane. Yeah. And I feel like we lost that when Dorothy learned she was Faye and got her fairy body and everything. Yeah, no, I agree. And maybe I'm reading too much into it. <laughs> no, I, I think you're right. So how do you feel about the villains slash antagonists in the story? So the ones that I listed as the antagonists, because I know there's like the banker in the beginning and whatnot, but he's what, chapter one and then that's it. And then I guess too, like... This was something that, that with Dorothy was a little bit awkward, which was, okay, so she gets back from Oz and she's like, Oz! And people are looking at her and going crazy. And so then, you know, she she is mistreated in various ways because of this in theory. Or I think that's supposed to be what happens. Yeah, it is. So it doesn't seem to affect her as much as I was kind of expecting. Like, I know she gets to Oz and then she's like, I wasn't crazy. But, like, she never seemed to doubt that she wasn't crazy, especially since 10 years passed. That's a good point. Like, she gets to Oz and be like, it was real. Um, or something. It's like she was hardcore gaslit. Yeah. And maybe zapped a little. For 10 years. Yeah. So that's why I put, like, yeah, there's the banker. Yeah, there's the townspeople. But it, I mean, it's like, it's chapter one and done. So... It didn't really seem to affect much going forward. So, yeah, I appreciate that they're supposed to be antagonists, but to a far lesser degree. Yeah. Maybe almost ineffectual. So then, of course, then there's Lion, who is the awfully creepy perv. Yeah, he's he's gross. Yeah, he he's basically like, yeah, Tin was kind of creepy and gross at some point, but wow, Lion's worse. <laughs> Ew course what do you expect from a guy who's willing to fuck someone who repeatedly changes her head but i guess he's into the murder variety murder part or something i don't know and then there's lang whatever languidere she's just awkward she's an awkward villain for me she also felt underdeveloped 
I guess because I was, I mean, you know what I was expecting. Like, I was expecting, like, her and Dorothy to have some sort of connection, you know, because she really wants Dorothy's head. Yeah, I mean, granted, it's to, to get power or whatever, but I was just, I was hoping for more and there wasn't more. So it just because she was, she felt underdeveloped, it just came off as a little on more weird than otherwise. What about you and the villains? I'm assuming you have a extensive list. I think for me, I agree with you with like the banker and the townspeople and stuff like that. And and even like Aunt M and Uncle Henry to a degree. Right. Because when she returns to Kansas from Oz the first time, no one takes her at her word. No one believes her. And I mean, granted, she's a child and all that, but still. Yeah. <laughs> and then she lives her life basically tortured by treatments. Yeah. And gaslit. But... In addition to that, um, I put the Wheelers. I really liked how the Wheelers were portrayed in this book. I would say they were effective villains. They were very scary. I mean, they were they were very much like servants of Languideer in this book. But yeah. I appreciated how how creepy they were, how horrific they were. You know, they did all the terrible things. They you know they were very present. They're active. Um, then of course there's Lion. And I have I have a lot of a lot of feels about Lion because the book makes it sound like well he was almost corrupted by the courage mm-hmm. that he got and he became like self important due to it but then he he becomes Languideer's servant which just seems like he he wants he wants to serve somebody and get the credit for it. Like, he wants to be appreciated for it. But he doesn't want his own stuff. I, I sort of saw him reverting to, like, subservient cowardliness. Because they all get reset. Stone heart, no brain. He's a coward again. And in being a coward, he he follows... Well, did, did Crow get reset? I thought he did, didn't he? I didn't think so. Maybe I just thought he was not smart (laughs) well i don't disagree (laughs) because i think um yeah i think crow like that's the reason he didn't know who dorothy really was the first time right yeah no so no i guess this this is him being not cowardly then yeah so he's being brave on the half of Langweird or whatever her name is someone else yes yeah that's the thing that gets to me it's like he's He's the lion. He wants to be brave. He wants to be courageous. For his woman. And he wants someone around to to tell him, good job. You did a really good job doing that thing you did. Well, he's a gladiator looking for an arena of fans, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. We could have had some more with Lion. And I, like I said, I did read the prequel. And you get a little bit into his motivation, but it did not satiate my curiosity so i just feel like he's a big question mark like what the fuck (laughs) (laughs) yeah again it brings me back to what was he like when dorothy was there the first time yeah totally because it makes sense if crow didn't know who she was Maybe he still felt like a kinship or a bond with her that he would have like this protectiveness toward her or whatever, which he does, you know, if you read the source material. But 
what about Tin and what about Lion? Yeah. Why are they so dramatically different from how she remembers them? And then, of course, I listed Languideer because she's the big bad in this book. And she did. She had motivation. You know, she wanted power. She wanted her rule in the West to be legitimized. And she felt if she had Dorothy's head, that that would happen for her. You know, she has her weird ass obsession with collecting heads and and stuff. And, you know, she's crazy. She's suitably creepy. Yes. I didn't mind her. I thought she was fine. Like the scene where Dorothy is talking to her and figures out she's not actually Glinda. I felt that was pretty good. Like it was creepy. Yeah, I did too. So I would say she's probably, she, she'd be an effective villain, but I'm just upset about Lion. I hear you. So how did you rate the book? I gave the book a 2.5, which sometimes I want to rate lower, but I, I think a 2.5 is probably where it is for me. What about you? I rated it a two. Okay. And I'll tell you why, which <laughs> let me just get that dead horse and my my <laughs> mallet so I can beat it some more. The lack of characterization. Like there's just not enough there to make the characters multidimensional. And I think it was to this book's deficit. And so while I read the book and the it was well written, I think like the the parts that were there were good. There just needed to be more. Yeah. Like a lot more. No, I agree. I feel like if you weren't familiar with this source material at all, you would have no idea what these characters were or what they were like or what they were supposed to be based on or anything like (laughs) you would just have no clue. And I think that was detrimental to this story because it really, it took the source material and turned it into its own thing, which is fine, but it didn't turn it into its own thing enough. No. If, which, maybe this is my own version of a dead horse, like, if it had given us a sense of her previous journey to Oz. Yes. And as much as it could separate itself from Baum's version, I think that would have really helped it. The story seemed to, like, try to have one foot in both, like, be its own thing and pull from Baum's version, but it it just made it awkward. It needed to commit. I agree. And so, yeah, I mean, for me, it was, it was fine. Like, I read it. It was okay. I finished it. There were things I really, really liked, and there were a lot of things I didn't like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... There you go. I mean, given that that you were our romance reader, as well as being a fan of Bomb's Oz, I think that puts you in a interesting position. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like if you weren't, like if you were maybe not as much of a fan of the source material, maybe you would have gotten into the romance more. I don't know. Maybe. So, did you feel romanced? No. Yeah. There was not enough couple time. I think, to develop that romance for me. The reason Tin liked her was because they slept next to each other three nights in a row. You didn't see that as like a, he's so deprived of <laughs> of a warm body or human contact that, of course, that doesn't say much for Dorothy, but like, you know what I mean? Well, okay, maybe, but why does she like him? I didn't feel, I didn't feel any chemistry Like, even the sexy bits, I just felt kind of awkward. I felt like I was snooping. (laughs) Like, oh, 
I'm I'm watching a porno where people don't really like each other. That's good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Dorothy, I guess, is attracted to him, and he's attracted to her. But, but they're pretty. But there's no reason for them to be together. Yeah. No. I mean, you can kind of understand why Tin hangs around Dorothy a little bit, because, I don't know, once he gets his heart back, like... You could kind of think like maybe there's some for- some sort of amends or whatever going on, but he appreciates that she doesn't pity him. She's not scared of him. She cares about him. Yeah, she's not scared of him. He kills all these people. She's not scared. Nope. She's just she gives him a a very small amount of of human compassion, and he's like, oh yeah. It's just, it's so weird. The tiniest bit of compassion. I'm into it. (laughs) She's not terrified by my ugly scars on my face. Oh, and by the way, I might lock you up a little bit, but it's fine. It's for your safety. (laughs) What about you? Were you romanced out? Not even a little. Yeah, they had like (laughs) no chemistry that I could tell. And maybe I'm not the best judge of this. I often don't feel romanced. But yeah, it just, it didn't seem like they had anything between each other. Yeah. I think that's why when he gets his heart back, I'm so confused. Like, I knew it was going to happen. I mean, of course it does. And she's the reason. Of course she is. Like, (laughs) I don't know if I'm just a bottomless pit where feelings go to die or if there is actually nothing here. Like, I can't tell. I see, I, there's no difference. Like, you're like, I didn't feel anything with the character. That is me most of the time. (laughs) Well, you should feel validated this time then. Yay. It actually is a little validating, although I'm sorry. I don't necessarily want to have my lack of feelings validated. (laughs) Or my lack of feeling or whatever. Your apathy makes sense this time. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I mean, I know it can happen. I can feel things for some characters, so I know it's possible. Yeah, it's happened multiple times. It's repeatable. Yes! It's a science. <laughs> <laughs> it is truth. <laughs> yeah, nothing. I was just, I'm like, okay, well, if I'm not going to feel anything, can something be entertaining? Nope. Oh, okay. <laughs> And then it was entertaining, although creepy and gross with him with the whole decapitated Dorothy thing. But then when he was in love with her... You're really stuck on that. Dude, that's (laughs) weird. That's my dead horse. It's a decapitated one. (laughs) I cut off the... Uh, It's extreme objectification. It's just, I guess... (laughs) Maybe it's just... I've never come across that in another story before, so I am just... I want to pick it apart and understand it. I don't get it. Did I read it incorrectly? Please say I read it incorrectly because it's disturbing. No, see, that's that's the thing. That's the thing about the story that's so unusual is that there are lots of romance stories where the hero is an asshole and kills people. But in most of those, he takes one look at the heroine and is like, oh, anybody but her. She's perfect and wonderful in every way. I get, yeah, and this story so didn't do that, which <laughs> I was trying to appreciate because... It's so so a trope that, like, it's literally, like, they're mid-murder, and they're just like, no, not her. Keep the blood off of her. And I just kind of roll my eyes at those, because it's like, yeah, all right, whatever. Okay, fine. But I think if this is the antithesis of that, you know, where it's like, (laughs) 
you don't have the insta love, then what takes its place? Like that's where the story would have benefited from more couple time of them like getting together and knowing each other and better and better character development. Yeah, because I think yeah, that would have because because they're just they're just constantly they're on the road this whole story, um, and throughout most of it she's trying to escape him at least at the beginning. And you're wanting her to, because creepy. Yeah, it's like, go off and have your adventure, Dorothy. Which is sort of anti-romance, because you should be going, no, no, spend time together. And I'm like, no, no, I genuinely want her to get away. Good job, Dorothy, you stole the key. And she does, which, yay, because a lot of times, one of the stories where I read where it was just like, this female character was in a dangerous, tough situation. She's like, I could attack him and try to free myself but it's pointless. And I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking annoying. (laughs) By the grace of her creator, did she survive that story? Because there's no reason she should (laughs) have. Especially, you know, in quote unquote mint condition. Like she just shouldn't have. So speaking of other stories, (laughs) what else have you been reading? Um... So I, I did read this a while ago. It is, I think it is an incredibly good book. It does come with a little bit of a warning, which we'll get to. The book is called The Devil in the White City by Eric Larson. And it's about the 1893 Chicago World's Fair. It sort of does this, because obviously the devil, <laughs> we'll get to him. And then the White City is what um, architect Daniel Hudson Burnham built and was um, he helped build and he's famous for Union Station in Washington DC and he's famous for the Flatiron building in New York City and so they wanted quote-unquote the white city to be like oh look future is awesome look how lovely and then meanwhile not far (laughs) there's the World's Fair Hotel which is run by a Mr. or Dr. I guess, Henry H. Holmes, who is a murderer. A massive yes. murderer. More than just your garden variety asshole. And so this is where the the warning comes into play. Because Larson does an incredibly good job of making Holmes's world real. And at one point he goes into detail about what the experience of one of his victims may have had because she did not survive so we could not ask her directly and it's it's incredibly wonderful but you know it (laughs) horrifying it is it's totally horrifying and that's where for me as a reader like i can read things that are you know that are fictional completely fictional and horrible and feel nothing but it's a completely different experience when you know that it in some way, shape, or form, was real. Yeah, this person very likely experienced something like that. Yeah. And so I got super... I mean, I totally finished the book and I want to reread it. Yes, I will buy a ticket again and take that ride. But it... <laughs> it it can be really uncomfortable. And depending on where someone's mindset is, it may not be a good thing for them to, to read. But apart from that, like... Larson, who I think is a former journalist, like he really did his homework in the whole, I was going to say world that he created, but it's our world. It's just back then has such detail and it's, it's amazing. It's a really wonderful book. 
so there's there's that warning and then of course <laughs> there's a warning for intense depictions with Holmes and of course because it was the 1890s there's cultural insensitivities <sighs> it just it's a thing racism and stuff yeah I mean Larson is not you know he's just he is basically just reporting what happened and and how things were written and and things like that so it's it's nothing yes it's nothing like that but one might not be in the mood to read about it exactly and it's it's <laughs> it's there's not a ton of that obviously that's not what the book is about but it does exist in the book so to say it doesn't would be inaccurate well, it exists and it existed it existed in that time period exactly so to say it wouldn't would be inaccurate so apart from those things Apart from those warnings, it's it's an amazing book. And like I said, I I want to reread it. I need to have more time to read. But I don't. So that's life. What about you? Speaking of time to read, what have you been reading? Uh, so I recently finished a trilogy um, called Sentinels of the Galaxy by Maria V. Snyder. I am recommending the trilogy as a whole because you have to read all three books to get the full story. Oh, okay. It is a YA trilogy, so you need to be aware that it has some of those YA tropey things. Okay. But Maria V. Snyder is a wonderful author. I've read many of her books, and not all of them are YA, and they're all wonderful. Uh, the first book in this series is called Navigating the Stars. It's a sci-fi series it takes place far in the future where a uh, new technology has been developed called crinkling where you can travel faster than the speed of light Ooh. throughout the galaxy but there is a time differential so while you're crinkled <laughs> i love that time is passing around you and then when you come out of the crinkle you're in the future basically. Oh, so people, okay. you know, measure their life in actual years, like how much time they've actually experienced versus how long they've been around. Interesting. Huh. <laughs> There's some interesting things about this, this world that Snyder wrote, one of which is where, um, there's a lot of emphasis on the terracotta warriors that were discovered in China. Oh, yeah. And they've discovered uh, matching terracotta warriors on other planets. Interesting. And there's a lot of mystery surrounding these warriors. And our heroine is the daughter of two archaeologists. <laughs> awesome. Who are studying the warriors. And so she, she grows up on one planet and then... When she's 17, she's forced to move to this other planet with her parents, even though she doesn't want to, because it means she's going to crinkle ahead in time, you know, like 40, 50 years or whatever. Yeah. And all her friends left behind on the other planet are going to grow up and she's going to stay 17, you know, when she lands. Yeah. So there's a lot there. Um there's also this technology that everyone interacts with called the QNet that she is highly proficient in. She ends up becoming probably the best of the best uh, using the QNet uh, for reasons. Ends up uncovering a plot 
around the terracotta warriors and saving people and and all that she's she's a really awesome badass character she has a love interest of course this is a ya book but there is no um no uh, love triangle like there often is so that was appreciated (laughs) oh that makes me so excited yes highly recommend definitely enjoyed i will i will definitely add to that to my (laughs) never gonna get shorter (laughs) list of things to read your extensive list (laughs) it doesn't help that it takes me for freaking ever (laughs) okay so that's it for this time check out our website romancemepodcast.com for our show notes other episodes and our upcoming reads and you can subscribe on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify and we're on amazon now (laughs) yeah that's a thing so join (laughs) us next time when we discuss dark lover by jr ward bye (laughs) okay so i have a question for you yes have you ever been looking at like one of those like classical paintings, like medieval paintings, of like war and strife and like famine, like horrible things. And so you're scanning the painting, and then all of a sudden you just think, that is a nice ass. <laughs> Have you ever had that experience or just me? <laughs> um, I would say similar, but not ass. <laughs> Dude, like well proportioned, nice shading. Like I was like, that is a well done ass. <laughs> so you kind of think like back in the day there must have been some painter that was like, you know, a butt guy. Yeah. <laughs> like okay. <laughs> <laughs>